You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. After a decade in the desert, the Arizona Cardinals are reportedly going to bid Patrick Peterson P2 adieu. It's Locked On Cardinals, part of your Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day, Bo Brock, Alex Clancy coming at you. Giving us a follow on Twitter, at Locked On AZ Cards. At Clancy's Corner to follow Alex. At Bob Rack, follow me, at B-O-B-R-A-C-K. Cardinals reportedly parting ways with Patrick Peterson. Is it the right move? We'll get into that debate and also the NFL season officially in the rearview mirror. Get a built bar to hopefully uh, help with your sorrows. It's a bittersweet day. We crowned a champion last night, but that also means it's officially the offseason. That's a fun thing, but also it means no games for quite a while. The Bucks took home the Super Bowl, and uh, there was a bunch of ex-Cardinals celebrating, and a part of the reason they were hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. I'm going to tell you that it wasn't an indictment on the Arizona Cardinals for not getting it done a couple of years ago while Bruce Arians was their head coach. Uh, we'll get into that conversation, and it's a mock draft Monday. Are any of the draft analysts going to step off or stop, step onto a limb and get away from a corner that keeps on being uh, banded about the Arizona Cardinals at number 16? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bury the lead here. No. It's the same old boring pick, Alex. I mean, Bo, listen, what we've talked about, uh, you know, ever since the end of the season is there's a lot of needs that the, the Cardinals have on this roster. And if I, after watching last night, I'm fully now in the camp that they need to draft an offensive lineman at 16. All right. You, like, you slow your roll. You slow your roll. We'll get into that conversation. Let's first get, let's first get into the uh, news that we woke to because I thought we were going to be talking about more you know, celebrating Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles and a lot of the role players that helped get it done, especially on the defensive side of the football for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last night, and that it's not a, an indictment on Michael Bidwell and Steve Keim that this Cardinals team wasn't in the same position. There, There is one, you know, one difference between what the Bucs did and had and, and what the Cardinals did, and sure, they had a veteran quarterback, but they didn't have Tom Brady. Tom Brady is a leader of men. This isn't crushing Carson Palmer by saying he wasn't. Carson Palmer was a professional. He just didn't. Uh, he didn't have. He doesn't have the leadership qualities that Tom Brady does. Few do. Uh, but it was w- what was able to kind of really get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the hump. Todd Bowles pitched a, a perfect game last night from the defensive coordinator position for the Bucks. But uh, let's get into the Peterson conversation first, Alex, because I think it. Uh, you know, if it wasn't before. And we talk about the mock drafts because most of them have the Cardinals going cornerback. That it, it's a clear cut priority for the Arizona Cardinals following the reports that Arizona Cardinals all pro corner, former all pro corner, Patrick Peterson, the two sides are parting ways, barring any significant changes in their stances. Yeah, this means Patrick Peterson wants too much money. I think it's, I think it's pretty cut and dry. As to what this is, Patrick Peterson wants too much money. Um, And we knew this was a possibility. We thought, well, I thought that this was almost a foregone conclusion that this was going to be the fork in the road. And if Steve Kime decides to pay Patrick Peterson 
it would be to the detriment of the future of this organization, depending on how much money Patrick Peterson wanted with what Steve Kime would have given him. Like, if Patrick Peterson wants 35 mil guaranteed, he's out of his mind. He's out of his mind. He is. And this is, I understand to his point, for Patrick Peterson, this is the last big contract he's going to get if he were to able to get one. Um, But he's also seeing the writing on the wall where either I'm going to get paid a lot to stay here, or I'm probably going to go somewhere else, take a little bit less, and be in a better position to potentially win a Super Bowl before I retire. So, I mean, th- again, this isn't a surprise. It's not a surprise to anybody. It's the right move for the Arizona Cardinals. If P2 is wanting way too much money, it's a, they can just go a different direction at the position. Patrick Peterson no longer has the luxury of saying, hey, I'm your lockdown corner. I can go and shut down the opposing top wide receiver week in and week out. He showed in the last two seasons that it, with his performance, he's pretty pedestrian and that his uh, – as far as his contributions, his impact, you can find that on the open market. You can find it in free agency. You can find it in the draft. And, you know, it, it, that's not crushing or an indictment on Patrick Peterson's past performance because at one, at one point he was in the conversation for the top corner in the league. He's no longer that. It's, 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 the, it's the conversation about, you know, father time being undefeated. And Patrick Peterson, after the PED violation and suspension, hasn't been the same corner. Now, it just happens to coincide with the fact that he was 29 and 30 years old, and that's also when production slips for corners traditionally. And look, there. when you look at Revis, when you look at Richard Sherman, when you look at the exceptions to the rules as far as guys performing post-30, those were guys that had to go elsewhere and kind of find, kind of do prove-it deals. The days, like, very rarely are these guys securing the bag at their age. They have to be given an opportunity. If some team wants to back, back up the Brinks truck to Patrick Peterson, go ahead and do it. Good for Patrick Peterson by getting that contract one last time. And then if he if he's able to go and pop and regain his Pro Bowl form, good for him. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna crush and criticize the Cardinals for making the the savvy move to move off of them. I think it's time to rebuild uh, that position for the Cardinals organization. Yeah, just unfortunately, the downside of that is he's the best corner the Cardinals have. So you're losing the best player at a certain position where all of the question marks will swirl around the majority of this roster, depth-wise especially. So, I, I mean, I, I, I get it. I mean, it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword, but the money you're not going to be paying Patrick Peterson can go out and get younger talent. Um, uh, you know, it, it just leaves the door wide open to what this Arizona Cardinals organization is going to look like on the field for the next five years. Because if you lose a pillar in Patrick Peterson, who, as you mentioned, he slowed down a little bit. The PED suspension didn't help him. Wanting out in 2018 didn't help. Just the overall outlook of the fan base on Patrick Peterson. You know, you might just want to give him a hug and say thank you for everything you've done and you want too much money, so we're not going to retain you. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's, that's it. Just rip the Band-Aid off and move on and try to find what path you want to take in an effort to get this team to some sort of prominence, you know, relevancy at least, and hopefully potential prominence with Kyler Murray under center and, and, and a rebuilt defense. This has to be a group effort. Like, they have to bring in – multiple corners this offseason, you know, and it's going to be, they're, they're going to have to go out there, get a starter in free agency, 
and they're you know they don't have a ton of cap money. Their projected cap space right now is thirteen million dollars before they get bad contracts like uh, Robert Alford off the books. It should save them around seven and a half million dollars. So and you get close to what like twenty, but they have to go out and find a a starter. And I'm not talking like lockdown, you know, Revis Island type guy because those guys aren't on the open market. There's some good starting caliber corners that are going to be in their free agency and available for the Cardinals. And then also, you know, if it's not your first round pick, even though a lot of people are predicting a first round selection at 16 at the cornerback slot, which I won't argue, um, if they go second round, that's fine too. But they need to find guys that are going to vie and play significant snaps in the defensive secondary for the Arizona Cardinals. The good thing is they've got the back end of that secondary, you know, spoken for. I mean, it's Buda Baker and it's Jalen Thompson, and I think that those are, you know, to to have that secured, that's fine. But you you know what your priority is this offseason. It's corner, and it's probably corner again. Like it's because and it and that's not saying that that's the production that Patrick Peterson gave you the last two seasons. But you saw that they needed help there anyway. And now that you've decided to part ways with the guy who was your best corner, um, who at at this point, I will say this, he is replaceable. You can find a guy with to, to find that has the same type of production. But uh, you know, it's I think that it's this is good. This is this is just one of those things where this is the business in the NFL. And at some point Patrick Peterson will be uh, inducted into the Cardinals ring of honor. You know, he. You know, it's it. This isn't exactly horrible terms that they're parting ways on. It's just he's at a different stage in his career where he can go out and he can get one big contract. The Cardinals don't have the luxury of paying him, and uh, also going and and getting the parts necessary for their secondary to be where it needs to be in their division to contend for a playoff spot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this isn't a, again. This isn't a surprise. Yeah. Uh Cardinals don't owe him anything. You know, they've this has been a mutually beneficial relationship. And yeah, I guess I mean bringing in corners again, Bo, and I'm sorry, you're going to hear this more than anybody. The Cardinals just need to figure out what they can rely upon after this offseason in the draft. Target some some facet of this team that you can rely on and just target it Execute it. And if it's corners, fine. You bring in one or two in free agency and you, and you draft one, okay. That's going to be your strength is your corners and your safety, your DBs as a whole. That's Van Joseph. That's Vance Joseph's sweet spot. Makes sense. But what I see the Cardinals doing, unfortunately, is just trying to fill one hole on myriad levels, uh, one offensive line, one wide receiver, one corner, draft one. You know, it's that's what we saw this year, and it didn't work. So Patrick Peterson not being on the Arizona Cardinals anymore, although it'll sting initially because he's the best corner they have, doesn't mean that he's the only corner in the league, and they'll just have to go find somebody to replace him. He'll be the, who will be younger, most likely, and less expensive. And if you can get ninety percent of the performance that you got from Patrick Peterson last year, last year with a dude who's a few years younger and who's cheaper, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean. If you could go out and get a guy like Troy Hill, who uh, had a pair of great games against the Cardinals. He's a free agent. He was with the LA Rams this past season. If you get him and pair him with a young corner, or if you can go out and you can get a guy like Ronald Darby, who played well for the Washington football team this past season, I think that those are guys, the caliber of corner, that you can bring in to rebuild this position. 
but also you, you can't you, you've got to draft a guy like you got to bring in somebody um and, and there's got to be development from guys like Byron Murphy like at this we need to find out in year 3 of if you know the top pick in the second round in 2019 Byron Murphy you know if if he's a guy that they can rely upon or if he's just a if he's just a dude you know like that's that's going to be key for them. They've they've got to start developing these guys. That's that's the biggest problem here is they're drafting guys and they're not developing outside of Buda Baker and Kyler Murray. Uh, it's it's going to be important for that to happen for this organization. I think it's it's kind of good that they're no longer going to have the crutch of thinking that they've got a lockdown guy and he can just kind of be a band aid for where they lack depth at the position. He can no longer be that crutch. It's Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bo Brock, Alex Clancy. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had a ton of former Cardinals celebrating last night and part of winning the Super Bowl. It's not an indictment on the franchise, even though it might have been a little bitter pill to swallow watching them celebrate in different duds. We'll talk about it. It's Locked On Cardinals. This episode of Locked on Cardinals brought to you by your friends over at betonline.ag. I was one in one as far as bets on the big game last night. Hit the under for 55 and a half, but also missed horribly on the Chiefs minus three. There was only one place, though, I trusted to place my bet. That was betonline.ag. I signed up for a free account at betonline.ag, used the promo code locked on. I got a 50% welcome bonus, so I was able to bet with free money. On the game. So my losses, they were a little bit easier to swallow, at least for my taste. And sure, the uh, the NFL, it might be in the rearview mirror, but there's tons left to bet on. You've got NBA games every night, NHL games every night. Major League Baseball is coming soon. And of course, you got the NCAA Tournament. March Madness headed your way. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. Get in on the action and don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. I thought it was awesome to see Bruce Arians uh, win win one. I mean, here's a guy that had to wait until he was 60 years old for his first head coaching opportunity. He had the you know what what he was able to accomplish in Indianapolis as an interim coach while Chuck Pagano was battling cancer. It was incredible, and it's just like why why wasn't this guy because he was too candid in the interviews. He dropped the few too many uh, four-letter words while you sit there with with NFL brass. They didn't get a legit head coaching opportunity before the Cardinals. And he wasn't, you know, I I think a lot of people would agree that he wasn't even the Cardinals' first choice back in 2013. But he came in and he transformed this franchise and he gave him a lot of uh, incredible seasons. Um, uh, It's interesting, Alex, because on Twitter – I see a bunch of people taking shots at the Cardinals because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' success. Like, oh, that's you know Michael Bidwell walking, letting those people exit the franchise. Like that, it's not a Bidwell. It, it's I mean, Bidwell couldn't bring Tom Brady to the desert. That's and that's not that's not a. I'm not crushing Bidwell for that. Yeah, I mean they don't have, you know. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Leonard Fournette and that offensive line and Devin Bush or Devin White and Shaq Barrett and JPP like the team's completely different. You know all of the all of the former Arizona Cardinals weren't exactly the highest impact guys on that roster. 
Well, the biggest impact well, maker outside of Tom Brady was Todd Bowles, and you let him walk for a head coaching position. That's what happens. He had yeah, a great he, he had a great run with the Cardinals, and he had some talented players, and he was people wanted him to be a head coach. It, the Cardinals couldn't retain him. They can't compete. Hey, yeah, stay as our DC, and you know, I'm just. No, you don't want to be a head coach in this league. You don't want to go coach the Jets. They they're a horrible franchise. That look, you can't crush Michael Bidwell for letting Todd Bowles leave the franchise. Right. The one that stings though, and I know that Jason Light wasn't truly in the absolute running for GM, and and Steve Keim was, um, Steve Keim won Executive of the Year in the first couple of years that he was GM. But like, that's the one that burns. Where Jason Light legitimately he organized a way to bring in all of this top-tier talent to complement what the Bucks already had. I mean, he brought in Grady, uh, Brady. He got Gronk, got Leonard Fournette, brought in Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown didn't have the highest impact. They drafted Tristan Wirfs after he traded up a spot to draft Tristan Wirfs. I mean, this is what GMs that win Super Bowls do. And yeah, the Tom Brady thing was huge, but that was arguably, I mean, alongside maybe Peyton Manning, because Peyton was a few years younger, the the courting of Peyton Manning, there were a lot more teams that were involved for Peyton Manning, the fact that Denver got him, but being able to lure Tom Brady away from Southern California, be like, look at what, look at the roster that, that's here. You can bring it whoever you want. Just come here and we'll win a Super Bowl. And they did. So that's the one that hurt a little bit more. I think you're giving too much credit to Light because, I mean, th- those were Brady's guys. Gronk, Antonio Brown, those were guys that wanted to come play with Brady. And then also when you look at whether it's Steve Kimes' success as Cardinals GM and you look at Jason Light's success as GM of the Buccaneers, it's only really with Bruce Arians as head coach, both of them. Like, both of those, it's Bruce Arians who's, their drafts had so much more production come out of them, you know, with Bruce Arians as the head coach. I mean, I think Bruce Arians is probably a better talent evaluator evaluator than Kime or Light combined. And and his coaching staff, having uh, Todd Bowles as his DC, that helped develop that defense, especially that secondary over the last two seasons. I, you know... Jason Light, didn't he draft a kicker in the second round? Yeah. I mean, he's 45. I'm looking at it right now. He's 45 and 67 over his seven seasons as the general manager for uh, for the Buccaneers. And and before B.A., I mean, his coaches were Lovey Smith and Dirk Cutter, I believe. I mean, the, those guys suck. That, and he, he picked those guys. And then Bruce Arians just, he I think he got very, look, it's better lucky than good, right? And I think he got very lucky that Bruce Arians, you know, had a good year of health following a couple scares at the end of his Cardinals tenure. Didn't like the booth, the broadcast booth, and he kind of missed coaching. And he just, I think he lucked out into it. And it's fine. I'm just not sitting here and be like, oh, wow, Jason Light would have. I mean, he, he was, like I said, he's significantly under 500 as a, as a general manager. And that's with this past season where they go 11 and five and they won the Super Bowl. I, I I'm just look, Jason light. It's not, I don't think he's a uh, hindrance or a liability. And he, he, in what you, what you pointed out, he did a very good job, but he also was just helping facilitate Bruce Arians, bringing a bunch of his former guys from the Cardinals. I mean, I know it could potentially be a grass is greener situation, but 
it just shows that if you and everything I, I get that with Brady comes Gronk and Antonio Brown, etc. Like I get that, but having the intestinal fortitude, like just a way to figure out how to make it work, it doesn't just work because you want all these things to happen. You know, yes, he he has some shortcomings, but if you if I were to ask you, who would you rather have as GM? Steve Kime or Jason Light, who would you rather have? Steve Kime. You would. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was the one okay. that actually took the chance on Bruce Arians. He was a proven Arians was a proven commodity by the time he got to Light. I, I just don't know how we can look at what I the just think his moves were Bay. I just think his moves were layups. Like he had a very big advantage as far as negotiating with the players he brought in because he had Arians in place. He had Todd Bowles in place on the coaching staff. He had Tom Brady as his quarterback. But him getting Tom Brady to Tampa Bay was wizardry. It's Tampa Bay. It's the most losing franchise in NFL history. Right. And you get arguably the greatest team sport player ever to come play for you. Who cares about the Raw? I mean, so much of it is about culture. And I know that B.A. and Todd Bowles bring the culture with them. You know, they bring the stability with them. But still, I mean, that is, if you think about it, that is a massive upset to get Tom Brady to go to Tampa. I know it's Florida, but geez, man. I mean, it's just, it, just looking at it just specifically like that, it, it just surprises me that Tom Brady would go be like, you know what? I trust the most, the, the least winning franchise in NFL history. And Jason Light did it. He did it. He brought him there. And maybe even if it wasn't him specifically, GMs get the credit for that. I'll give credit where it's due. Look, I mean, he's he's the GM of a Super Bowl team. He was able to pull off the miraculous deal to to lure Tom Brady to Tampa Bay. But I also kind of I'm skeptical. I just think that uh, you know he he's a he's a good good GM. He's just not a great GM. And I'm I'm not gonna sit here and and cry over the Arizona Cardinals letting Jason Light, who also you know, was working under Steve Kime, and he he got an opportunity to become a full time GM. Good for him, just like Todd Bowles. You know, you can't when you have success, everybody's coming for you and coming for your players and your and your execs. And that was a that was a testament to some of the early success, success that they had 2013-14, building up to the AFC Championship appearance in twenty fifteen. Yeah, I mean, this is just a talking point for an organization that hasn't sniffed the Super Bowl in a while and then just looking at the other side and seeing a bunch of formers yeah. um, right off into the sunset. I mean, it's just kind of a shock value situation, but just an interesting conversation for right now, even though it's completely hypothetical and doesn't matter whatsoever they in just, the grand scheme. The problem is they haven't found those types of players, those glue guys that, that were brought into Tampa Bay, and and they they made an impact, and it, was, it might have been minimal, but they knew that they could bring in guys that they'd seen play in previous seasons and they could just come in and play. And, and they haven't found those. Like Post-Bruce Arians, Steve Keim doesn't have those guys like, oh, well, we've got an injury. Oh, let's bring in Dayon Buchanan. I know he could play you know, this hybrid linebacker safety position. I know Kevin Mentor can, can spot start and play a little inside linebacker and all that. He, he hasn't found those guys post-Bruce Arians, and that's a problem. Like, I'm not giving a hall pass to, to Steve Kime here at all. But it's just, I, I, I found it interesting that, that there were people chirping on Twitter about Michael Bidwell and this organization. And it's just like, Tampa Bay, yeah, you, they, they just had the the advantage of, of Brady and, and 
out, you know, being able to surround him with enough talent. Yeah, it's it's harder than than I'm giving it enough. It, it deserves a lot of credit, and and Jason Light uh, certainly did that. But I'm also not uh, sitting here saying that he could have done the same in the desert. And it's on time, and it's on Bidwell for not you know retaining all these pieces that had success last night and had success the entire 2020 season. It's Locked On Cardinals, part of your Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Arizona Cardinals, there's apparently you're just drafting one guy. They're zeroing in on one person on a mock draft Monday. I think you can guess who that is if you've listened to this podcast before. We'll give our thoughts on who the Cardinals should take. Kyle Krabs has his latest mock draft out for the Draft Network. We'll get into it. It's all here. Locked on Cardinals. This episode of Locked on Cardinals also brought to you by Built Bar. And I got myself a nice little treat in the mail from our friends over at Built Bar. Just knocked me on my keister. It was the Coconut Brownie Chunk brand new Built Bar, which is absolute fire. You have to taste this. Built Bar is already the best tasting protein bar ever. I mean, but this one is out of this world. Just delicious Built Bar, and it's equally as healthy as it is delicious. They're great for the health conscious person. Lose, maintain weight while indulging in a delicious candy bar tasting treat. Bars low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber. Great for the keto diet. Right now, log on to the website. Use the promo code locked on at builtbar.com. You can get 20% off your next order. You can get a mix box, try all the delicious flavors, pick out which ones you like the most, or create your own built bar box of all your favorites. Just use the promo code locked on, one word, for 20% off at builtbar.com. Did you have a favorite uh, Super Bowl commercial last night, uh, Alex? You know, sneakily, I mean, the Will Ferrell one was fine, but sneakily, it was the the one that made me laugh the most was the Gwen Stefani, Adam Levine, and uh, Blake Shelton one. Yeah, we're sure she had spotty cell phone service, and she was just kind of yeah. yeah it was pretty funny. I liked yeah, I, I loved the Will Ferrell one where he was uh, going after Norway for having more electric cars than the United States. I mean, everybody loved the Tracy Morgan one. It was the mortgage rate one. The uh, Jason Jason Alexander one was good with the with the sweatshirt where he had different facial expressions every time. I think it was like a Tide commercial or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't big on the Edward Scissorhands commercial. There was one more that wasn't too bad. I can't I can't remember. Must have not stood out. But the Super Bowl halftime show was boring. I thought I think that's pretty easy to say, right? Did, did you Did you even tune into the weekend? You know, I I turned a. Uh... I, I had a show that I was watching. I, I switched off. I turned it on. I'm like, well, it's the last game of the year. I kind of got to watch as much as I can. So I watched the last like 70% of it and it did nothing for me. It didn't. It just, you, you were waiting for somebody to join him and it was just not, I, I don't mind. I think his music's fine, but it is, it just did nothing. And the fact that he sunk $7 million into his, and that I don't even know where it all went. Um, it's Locked On Cardinals, part of your Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So Kyle Krabs of the Draft Network, uh, Draft Dudes Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. He put out his latest mock draft, and surprise to nobody, he's another draft analyst projecting J.C. Horn, the corner from South Carolina, going 16th overall to the Arizona Cardinals. And after the reports of the Patrick Peterson deal, you know, you could say that it makes more sense, but I'm I'm just seeing people 
just are they just sharpieing in J.C. Horn at this point? I, I mean, I think that it's a position, obviously, a prior priority to get more uh, talent at that position. I'm, I'm just still skeptical that the Cardinals are going to take the third best corner just because of need at 16th overall. I mean, they have needs every like, yeah. It seems like I mean to answer your question, yeah. It seems like the people in the know, at least from one outlet, think that J.C. Horn's the guy to South Carolina. Um, best available, it's going to be loosely defined because you know it, Micah Parsons may be there. He is in his rusher out of, he's, out of Penn State. He's the next. Uh, he's the next player off the board. He goes seventeen to Vegas after J.C. Horn. So you'd be passing on a guy who. You know, before I I, I want to say two weeks ago, he was a top ten pick. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that would be like best available. He'll probably be best available unless like Devonte Smith drops or something. Like there is going to be a situation where Steve Combs going to find himself in, just like last year, where he could have taken Tristan Worse, who is going to be an All Pro for the next ten years at right tackle, but he decided to take the sexy pick in Isaiah Simmons, and it's still TBD on on if that was a good pick or not. He's going to find himself in a situation again where can you take an offensive lineman there, maybe the second or third best, or do you take a do you take a, a best available from a different position instead of one of need? I would just much rather see a boring pick that's going to work. It, it's tough. Again, it's tough for corners because they're like the wide receivers on the defense, where the the rain the spectrum of success is so vast. The, it, it really is a crapshoot unless you have your lockdown guys. But, I mean, you, you can never really tell. I mean, Eli Apple went top five a couple of years ago at Ohio State. He's on, his, I think, his third team now. He got traded from the Giants pretty quickly to, to New Orleans. Um, Just look at Jeffrey Okuda. I mean, we, we talked yeah. about a redraft that ESPN did, and in, in right. I think it was even Bleacher Report, where Okuda was the biggest follower of, of everybody. It, yeah. he, he went from yeah. third to in the 20s. And he was, you know, everybody was saying he was a can't-miss corner he went third overall out of Ohio State to Detroit, and you know most redrafts had him barely in the first round. I mean, it's a tough position to really scout, right? But I mean, I guess you could say that about anything. Uh, I mean, there are some very, uh, you know, obviously strong truths coming out of college, but they're few and far between that you know you can bank on, uh, you know, in in the NFL. I mean, it's um, it's really going to be determined. The path is going to be determined by what they do in free agency. Yeah, what they, they can what they can do. They they need to take a little of the pressure off on hitting on that hit on that pick. Just because I mean they need to find a playmaker in, in free agency and their cap strung for the most part. A lot of teams are going to be facing that that issue because the cap for the first time in a long time is not going to go up. But you're gonna have to find a playmaker, whether it's wide receiver, tight end, maybe even running back. And then you're gonna definitely have to assign at least one corner. And if you if you get a starting caliber corner, the pressure isn't there to find a starting caliber corner at 16. It, it, it just right. they, they have to. They, Steve Kime has to have a what's perceived at the time a successful free agent crop, and uh, it's good. It's you know the, I, we're gonna say it all off season. This is this is a pivotal off season for the Arizona Cardinal. Like this is. You know, we've said it. It's easy to go from three wins to five wins, from five wins to eight wins. Now, you know, it's really going to show, you know, can Steve Kime make the correct decisions enough to take advantage of a quarterback who had success in a sophomore season, 
to who should emerge as a as a you know if he's not already a top ten quarterback in his third season in Kyler Murray, but he's got to surround him with with guys out talented guys outside of DeAndre Hopkins and that defensive side of the football. This is going to be huge. There's going to be more turnover on the defensive side of the football, probably just as much as we saw last off season, and they're going to have to put it together and in to sometimes make up for. You know, not having the luxury of continuity, you, you got to have talented players. And so far, he hasn't been putting enough talent on this roster to make up for the lack of continuity. Right. I mean, this it just feels like it just feels like the Cardinals are destined at this point to backtrack a little bit, and that's something that that just can't happen. With how like last last season was the sweet spot draft. That if you hit, all systems go. Let's roll, and it just didn't happen. I mean, the jury's out still on Josh Jones, obviously, and it wouldn't be an original story for a top ten pick to take a year before getting acclimated to the NFL. I mean, Devin Devin White was good last year. He is really good this year. And he's not the same as Isaiah Simmons. They, I mean, they both hit really hard. But Devin White is like a traditional linebacker. Yeah. Or he's just stocky and just will will eat your lunch. And we saw that last night, obviously. Uh, great hands as well. I mean, if Isaiah Simmons hits, it makes everything easier. And it's still, again, the jury's still out. Jury's still way out on Isaiah Simmons. But yeah, I mean, this is... This is it because if the Cardinals go six and ten, Cliff's gone, Kime's gone, Kyler Murray's rookie skill contract is gone. Yeah, you would hope that those decisions are made. I mean, I can't honestly say it because we've seen you know worse days in this organization, and those you know at least Kime still still has a job, which is crazy. But yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, it's uh, the the points you made as far as Josh Jones and Isaiah Simmons, if if they develop, if if they come back in their second season is and, and their impact makers, that look that's that would be huge for the Arizona Cardinals. That would be massive if they had you know the defensive playmaker that they thought they got at eight emerge in year two, and then also a starting caliber offensive lineman. I mean that that makes that draft the twenty twenty draft look so much better um, for Steve Kime and crew. But they still have to find more talent. They, they, even with that, even with that being said, they still have to find more talent and free agency. And uh, after the news this morning, the reports, Patrick Peterson and the team parting ways, they've got to revamp that cornerback position. But it's still, I think both of us are skeptical about the uh, projection of J.C. Horn, the third best prospect at his position, corner, going to the Cardinals. We've got way more conversations about this coming up here on Locked on Cardinals. Just settling in, and uh, the season's officially in the rearview mirror. So it's off season time. It's it's draft season. It's the the free agency is is just about a month away, and we're got uh, we're gonna have tons of conversations. We've got some great crossovers coming your way as well. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnAZ Cards, and of course at Clancy's Corner and at Bob Brack B O B R A C K. Guys, have a great rest of your Monday. We'll talk to you tomorrow.